All right. Everybody doing good today? Listen, um, I don't know if I've had a chance to meet you, but I recognize most of your faces, and you've been here a long time. And if you've been around for a while, you know that um, I love to talk about a few things. I love to talk about Jesus, you know, so that, that encompasses a lot of stuff, no doubt. I love to talk about marriage. Um, you know, we talk about that a good bit. And listen, I love to talk about money. I love to talk about money. And a, a lot of pastors, especially young pastors, like they, they get nervous about it. I understand that. There's still some of that feelings. Like I know I got, I knew this week we're jumping into a money series and I got some texts from some friends this week. Like I got my friend coming. I've been praying for like six months. I'm like, Hey, we're talking about money. Bring them on, you know? But, uh, like, I love it. Here's why I love it. Because, first of all, I believe that, that, and I, that God's done some incredible things in my family's life, in my life, like financially through the Bible, not like anything other than that, but, but also because I know it's right where we are. Like, I say we as people. Like, we, the number one reason for divorce in America is financial pressure slash money fights. Number one reason in America. Okay. Uh, the average family lives on 136% of, of what you make. So that's 36% over. Um, the average college student graduates with $7,600 in student loan debt, which that 7600 is a deal. So, like, I don't know where they got that, but, like, we're, Andrew and I are still working on ours. But, um, so, like, the reality is we get a little, sometimes we get a little tense talking about money. Sometimes we get a little anxious. We don't want people to know our business. Sometimes it can feel like we're a mess and everybody else has got it together. Listen, I, I, most of y'all, y'all tell me all your secrets. I know we're all messed up, okay? And so, like, the reality is you don't need to feel like, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm a mess, but everybody else has got it together. As a country, we're a mess. As families, like, it's just financial pressure is real, is financial pressure real? Am I talking to myself? Okay, it's real. All right, just making sure. And so um, I love to talk about it because, you know, we could get up here and like open up the book of Leviticus and talk about like, you know, tribal ceremonies or something. I don't know. We could, that counts too because that's the Bible. But what I love is when we can open up the Bible and we and Jesus or, or, you know, God says like something straight up like verbatim, like just read it. He says it. And if we take it and we do what he said, like we don't need a professor or a theologian, like we can just straight up take what he said and do it and our lives are better for it. Like I love that. And money is one of those issues. Money is one of those topics that, you know, Jesus talked about it more than any other topic. I don't know if you knew that, but Jesus talked about it more than any other issue, more than heaven or hell, more than, I mean, pick whatever social, more than homosexuality, more than drinking, more than... I don't know, whatever, violence, terrorism, whatever. He talked about money more than anything else. And I don't think that's an accident. I think he knew that money was, would weigh heavy on us. And so he had a lot to say about it. And so if you and I were to go out for coffee, I don't drink coffee, but you'd get a coffee, I'd get a water, and we'd sit there at Starbucks, because that's where you go to be cool. We'd sit there, I'd drink my water. And, and you, if you said to me, Jason... My financial life, is, my, my life is a mess. My financial life is a mess. And like, I'm barely hanging on and I don't know what to do. What I'm gonna tell you today is exactly what I would tell you if we were sitting one-on-one across the table. Matter of fact, I wish we could do that. I wish we could have this talk one-on-one and not from a group setting, but we're gonna do it from a group setting today. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my heart what we're going to talk about today. And this is a two-week series where we are trying to find, we are finding hope, we're finding hope for our money, hope for our lives, hope for our financial lives. 
Could anybody use a little more hope? Let me see your hand this morning. You could lose a little more hope. Anybody use a little more money? Let me see your hand. Okay, come on. And so I, I can't promise you I'm going to get you more money because this, this is not a pyramid scheme, all right? We're not selling up to sell purses here. But I can tell you that um, I can promise you you can find more hope. And I found it, and I, I live it, and I believe it. And so that's what we're going to jump into today. And then next week, it's a two-week series, so the next week we're going to be talking about um, m- more of this. We're going to kind of continue on. And, uh, but next week's going to be really practical. We're going to give you three or four things like about you know, spending and saving, not our opinion, but like what does the Bible say. We're going to give you verses like here's what the Bible says. So that's, that's next week. But this week, I want to start with what I would start with if, if we went out for coffee. And you said, Jason, I got 30 minutes. Tell me, I got, I got to find some hope. I got to change, man. What's going on? I, I, w- I would tell you this. And, and, and before I tell you that, nice little setup there, let me tell you this, that we, as a part of this series, we, are, um, we do this every year around this time. We always talk about this because we feel it more at this, part of, this time of the year, I think. We feel the pain of it. We offer Financial Peace University at the beginning of the year. We offer it every year. Andrew and I have been through it. Andrew and I have led it. We don't do that anymore. George and Julie Green lead it here at the church. They're passionate about it. It's incredible. I don't know how it could be bigger this year because last year, like 50 people graduated from Financial Peace University, which is insane. And um, we, we believe in it. And so it's a Dave Ramsey class. And, um, and so like, for us, it's like, it's like God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Dave Ramsey. Okay, that's kind of like our <laughs> trinity that's a, is that a sacrilegious. I don't know. Anyway, so, um, but we've done it like every year and, uh, and we love it. And so it starts January 19th. That's on a Tuesday. A Tuesday nights in January. It's a nine-week class. And uh, figure out a way to work it out to, to be able to do it. Sign up, start next week. You can go to the website this week and probably sign up a little bit early. But um, it's incredible. A lot of you guys have been through that. People in the neighborhood have been through it. So, um, so yeah, financial peace starting Tuesday, January 19th. I want you to do that, figure out a way, all right? So An- Andrew and I have this tradition. It's not really a tradition. It's more of like a, a habit, I guess. Uh, but when we go out on dates, uh, we, we, you know, we'll go, we'll go somewhere to eat. And um, I don't know if you're like an explorer, adventurer when it comes to like going to restaurants. I like going to the same restaurants over and over again, all right? And so we'll go out to eat or something, and we'll go to a restaurant, usually we've been to before, and uh, we'll put in our drink orders, and then we'll look over the menu, which I don't need to look over the menu, because I order the same thing every time. How many people order the same thing at every restaurant? Let me see your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know what we like. We know what we like. You know, anyway, so Andrea is not that way. I am married to a beautiful, uh, uh, adventurous uh, highly competent, independent woman. She's incredible. But something how ha- you felt the butt coming. Something happens. Something happens when we go to a restaurant. Doesn't matter if we've been there a hundred times. Doesn't matter if she has two minutes to order or twenty minutes to order. It does not matter. When the waiter or waitress comes to take the order, she does not know what she wants. Doesn't matter. And so she will eventually make an order, which she doubts. She's not confident in her choice at all. I guess I'll take it. The waiter or waitress walks away, and she's like, I shouldn't have ordered that. I just, she's doubting herself, you know, and whatever it is. And so then the food comes back, and they put it down on the table, and the same thing happens pretty much every time. She looks at her plate. She looks at my plate, and she says, ooh, that looks good, pointing at my plate. And then she says, I want a bite of that. Now, they just put it down. I haven't even tasted it yet. 
Come on, how many people know you don't want to, I love her. I don't want to give up the first bite. Till death do us part, but don't touch my food if I haven't taken a bite yet. Especially quesadillas, because you know, like the, it's a, anyway, all right. So, so anyway, um, it happens every time. And I feel like I could best express my feelings today uh, sh- showing you a clip of the show Friends, the TV show Friends. Uh, there's an episode that just resonates with my heart deeply, spiritually. Uh, when Joey's girlfriend tries to eat off his plate, eat french fries off of his plate. Watch this. Let's see this. I feel the same way. Like, I love you. Now, Corey calls me a hypocrite because he says I eat off people's plates. Um, but he doesn't know the rules. Like, if you pour your fr- fries out on the tray, it's community serve at that point. But anyway, point being... Um, so we're going to talk about the first bite today. We're going to talk about God taking the first bite and that thing inside of all of us that Joey doesn't share food. All of us have that inside of us. And so um, we're going to talk about that today. If I had a chance to sit down with you one-on-one, having coffee, talking about what you need to do in order to turn the corner, in order to change, in order for your life to be different, your financial life to be different. The first thing we would talk about, no matter what the numbers were, the first thing we would talk about is tithing. It's the first thing we talk about. Because I believe that it is the single greatest factor in whether or not you have hope and peace financially. I'm not saying that because it's something I come up with. The Bible says it. And so we're going to read today one verse of Scripture. I mean, there's lots of places we could go because the Bible talks about it a lot. But we're just going to read one verse of Scripture today. And as we do this, you're going to be tempted to push back. You're going to be tempted to disengage. You're going to be tempted to to be like, you know what? I I I don't agree with that. I don't believe with that. And listen, I get it. I get it. I'm a recovering cynic, okay, and I've been clean for about three years. God's helping me, but I understand what it's like to sit in a room and to figure out why something's not true and to figure out what the motive is and what the agenda is, and here's all I'm asking you to do today is instead of pushing back and disengaging, ask yourself, what if it's true? What if it's true? What if everything could change? Because, you know, change is hard. Change is hard. You would think that all of us would change easily and naturally when, when we felt the pain and the sting of bad decisions in our life. Like, oh, well, it would change because it's so bad, you know? But, like, let me give you an example. So I, I love ice cream. You probably know that. I love ice cream. So two, three nights a week, we'll load up the girls. You know, I'll make it feel, sound like it's for the girls, but it's really for me, and we'll go get ice cream. And over the last, like, year or something, I've developed, starting to develop this milk allergy, So when I eat cereal and ice cream, I feel terrible. And you would think, knowing how awful I feel after I eat ice cream, I would never eat ice cream again. Nope. I'm a stubborn man. I'm a stubborn man, and I won't change because I I just, I'm sure, right, that that I, I just can't give it up. And you would think that all of us would change when we found ourselves time and time again at a at a really tough place, at a bad place. And I just want to encourage you today to try God's way. You know, we, we said on the series title, you know, God's way works and my way hurts. And I don't know about you, but I've tried a lot of ways. I've tried my brother-in-law's advice. I've tried, you know, somebody's advice on the radio. I've signed up for some kind of pyramid scheme business thing. I've done all these things to try to figure out this, 
something that would just make it work and make it right. But, but why not try God's way? It's simple. It's so simple. It's just not easy, but it's, it's simple. Uh, Walter Anderson says, nothing diminishes anxiety faster than action. Nothing diminishes anxiety faster than action. And so today, I'm going to challenge you to do something. Today, we're talking about tithing, but we're not just talking about tithing. We're talking about God's blessing. God's blessing. That there are two ways to handle and manage money. There is a way that is blessed by God, and there is a way that is not. That's the two choices that we have. We can be blessed by God, or we cannot, and the Bible is going to tell us how to do that. And let's go ahead and jump in and read it. Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10. This is what it says. This is God talking. Last book in the Old Testament. He says, bring all the tithes. This is not the first time if you were Jewish and you were reading this. This is not the first time you would have read this word. You knew exactly what it was because it goes all the way back to Abraham and I could give you scriptures. I'm not going to bore you with all that today. But, all, I mean, every time you had, every time your goats had baby goats, you give the first one to God. Every time you had crops, you give the first uh, percentage to God. I mean, it just laid it out all throughout the Bible. And so he says in Malachi 3.10, he says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. It's the way that God set it up. He said, everybody is going to earn and work and then they're going to bring the tithe to the temple, and the temple will function and live and, and survive based on what those people bring in. So everybody do this. There's going to be food in the temple. And if you do, he says, the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. If, if you do what? He says, if you do. If you bring all, everybody say all, all, all the tithes into the storehouse. Amen. Amen. Here it is. As simple as I know how to say it, here's what tithing is. It's God getting the first bite. Amen. It's God getting the first bite. And come on, y'all. Nobody wants to give up the first bite. Nobody. But God's way to financial blessing, change, turn around, where you are, what you're feeling, what you're facing, God's pathway, God's roadmap to financial blessing, to hope and to peace and to more even, is through tithing. It's through tithing. Tithing is uh, a word that just means tenth. And... I just want to keep it super simple for you today, so I'm going to take you back to elementary school a little bit. Sadie is in second grade, and she's learning about dollar and coin amounts. And, um, and so God says that tenth, not just the tenth, but the first tenth, God says, okay, every time you get a dollar. Now, back in the Old Testament, it, it, it was it, when you grew crops. It was when you had animals, it, whatever it was. But for us, I don't think we have any farmers in the church. For us... It's money. And so God says, I want you, every time you get a dollar, I want you to give me a dime, and I want you to give me the first dime. So every time you make a dollar, Jason, every time you make a dollar, Andrea, every time you make a dollar, whoever it is, every time you make a dollar, I want you to give me a dime. 
And that's the percentage. That's the way God set it up. And it doesn't matter how much the dollars grow. It's the same. Every time you get a dollar, give me a dime. So God says, figure out how many dollars you get and give me that many dimes. You got $100? I want 100 dimes. You got $1,000? I want 1,000 dimes. You got $100,000? I want 100,000 dimes. It, it doesn't ever change based on amount. It's the same principle over and over again. And in Malachi 3.10, God says, if you will bring all of it, all the tithe, and give it to me through the means of the local church, the temple, whatever you want to call it, if you do that, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I just love that imagery. <laughs> like God just like dumping blessing on me. You know what I mean? I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. You don't have to believe that. You don't have to believe that. But if you're crazy enough to believe it, God is crazy enough to do it. He's crazy enough to do it. You know, we push back sometimes. Um, I was thinking about this this week. Like there are other scriptures I could read you. Like Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And when we read that scripture, like we go, yes, I believe that. I receive that. Like if I come to God, if I come to God, he will give me rest. And nobody in here is like, that's not true. That, that you've got an agenda. You just, you know, you just want more people to have rest. You know, you're just, we, we. We say, if you come to God, if you fill in the blank, then he will give you rest. It's the same principle. If you bring God first, the tithe, then he will pour out a blessing you can't contain. Romans 8.38 says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. We don't read that and go like, well, I just don't trust that. I don't know. I just seems, that seems fishy to me. No, we go, yes. Oh, nothing can separate me from God's love. Thank you, God. I believe that. I receive that. Listen, it's coming from the same book, the same book, the same inspiration of God. He says, if you will bring all the tithes into the house, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. So I grew up in a house the tithe. So like even as from we're do my parents did with me what we're doing with our kids now. Like when you get money, you get birthday money, you get chore money, whatever it is, you're gonna give a 10, 10% to God. You know, Sadie's not happy about that right now. You know? I mean it's like she gets ten dollars. Well, okay, here's an example. So my dad gave her a hundred dollars for a birthday. I don't know what he's thinking. Like a hundred dollars. Might as well be a million, right? She's seven. And so I said, okay, Sadie, you know. God has given you $100. We're going to take 10 of that, and we're going to go give it to Pastor Kim and give it to God. <laughs> That's my daddy. I don't want to give $10. That's my money. I said, you didn't have it 30 minutes ago. All of us have that inside of us. So I grew up in a house where we tithed and, um, from a small age. And so when Andrew and I got married, you know, we tithed. But we did it because that's, like, we did it the same reason I scramble eggs in the pan, like, because that's the way we did it at my house. And so, like, I didn't know why, we had not really come to some concrete conclusions about why we do it. 
and what we were committed to and, and, and those things. And so over the last 11 years, as Andrew and I have, have been married, we have had to come to some conclusions and some beliefs for ourselves about why we do it. And so I want to give you this morning for the time we got left, I want to give you three kind of mindset changes, three ideas that we have settled in our heart, that Andrew and I have settled in our heart, and that, that a lot of you have probably settled in your heart as you give and tithe to God. I want to give you three uh, mindset changes for me and Andrew. The first one is this. I would encourage you to write these down. The first one is this. Mindset change number one. Everything I have is from God. Everything I have. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the breath in my lungs. I'm talking about the dishwasher. I'm talking about like the air in the tires. Everything I have is from God. It's not mine. Doesn't belong to me. God is lending it to me to, 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 to take care of and to be a good steward of. And, you know, when my father-in-law comes into town, I realize how bad of a steward I've been with my house because we've got to fix a lot of things up, but that's all right. But, but God, has, God has given it to me. It's not mine. It's not mine. And so if, if I said, hey, Andrew and I are going out of town for a week and we'd like for you to house sit, Come over and stay in our house. And then we came home a week later and we said, hey, we're back. You know, thanks. And you're like, no, this is my house. Like, you're not staying here. You would never do that. You know that you'd never do that because you know that it's not yours. You're just helping us out. And so God says, give, be generous, tithe. But there's something inside of us that says it's mine. I guess it's not yours. It's mine. It's mine. It's all, it doesn't matter. Andrew and I have, have come to the conclusion, no matter how hard we work, no matter how talented we are, no matter what opportunities we think we created for ourselves, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it's God's. It's from God. God has given it to us. And if that's true that it's not ours and God has given it to us, when God puts it on our heart to give it away, as hard as that can be sometimes, please don't hear that like we've mastered this and we're like, oh yeah, whatever, we're just giving stuff away. It's still tough sometimes, but there have been uh, times when God has put it on our heart, when we, you know, we had two cars and we felt like God said, give your car to this family that had no car. And I mean, we argued with God about that for a little while. Are you sure about that? But, but we, we finally came to the conclusion. We said, okay, and we, we gave the car away. We gave it away. And then we lived on one car. And I would wake up at 5.30 and take her into work. And I mean, it was, it was awful. But we felt like that that's what God had told us to do. So we gave it away. Gave it away. Because it's not our car. God gave it to us. Amen. So everything, if you believe that everything is from God, that everything you have is from God, then it forces you to kind of live with an open hand. And so as I'm talking about this, you find yourself thinking like, yes, Jason, like I hear you, I believe that, but I just, it doesn't add up. Like there's no money. I, 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 can't, I can't tithe to God. Like there's no way mathematically, feasibly that this adds up. See, when you believe that everything comes from God, you're not necessarily worried. I'm not saying you're not a good steward. I'm not saying you're not organized. But when you believe everything that comes from God, you can trust in the fact that that means that everything is his, not just the things in your life. That God has unlimited resources. That God has unlimited opportunity. That there's nothing he can't get to you because everything is from him. Amen. I want to show you something on the screen 
a slide that I want you to see up here. When I show you that, that slide, like everybody look, what do you see right now? What do you see? You see a dot, right? I mean, obviously, duh, you see a dot. You see a black dot up on the screen. Our eyes are trained to focus on things. And when I put that up on the screen, nobody said, I see a huge white screen. Like that, it is a white screen, but you focus on the small little dots. See, I believe we do the same thing with our lives. And we're focused in on our problems and our financial pressure and what's not going wrong and how, you know, things aren't working out. But what if I told you just for the sake of this illustration that your life was the dot? Let's go to the next slide. And that everything else around it was God. So your life is the dot and everything else is God. God's resources, God's love for you, God's, God's, God's providing for you. And so you can either choose to figure out how to squeeze everything you can out of that one dot or you could say, it doesn't all add up, but God, I am in your world and I am living in your resources and there is nothing you can't do and there is no limit to, 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 to what you can provide. And so if, if you want to like, if you want to hold on and like and, and, and squeeze the life out of that dot, go ahead. Here's what I want to do and here's what I hope you want to do. I want you to say, God, I can either try to maximize my dot or I can just trust that everything is yours. And you're going to take care of me. So number one, everything I have is from God. Number two, second mindset change. God doesn't need my money. God doesn't need my money. Guys like me have done a, a bad job, and it's kind of unfair to, to you guys that we, we make it sound like that God needs your money. If you don't give, orphans are going to starve. If you don't give, the lights are going to get turned off. And um, I know why it went down that way. I get it. But listen, can I tell you something? God doesn't need your money. If every person in this room got mad that they got up and left and never came back and never gave a dime to God, you're not going to kill the kingdom of God. You're not going to destroy the church. God gives you the opportunity to invest in his kingdom and in his church. When Jesus was alive, uh, some of the religious leaders felt like that, that they were doing God a favor worshiping him. And, and Jesus said to them, like, look, if you stopped worshiping, I would just make those rocks start talking and worshiping me. I don't, you're not doing me any favors, Jesus said. And so sometimes maybe you can feel guilt or you can feel like shame, like, oh, well, God needs my money. I got to give to God. God needs, or if I don't give God, my car's going to break down or, you know, whatever it is that we come up with. But can I tell you something? You, God doesn't need your money. God gives you the chance to give. And he could, listen, he could just obligate us to because he told us to and we obey and who gets a parade for obeying, right? Clean the house yesterday. And I'm like, babe, <laughs> clean the house yesterday. She's like, that's what we do. We're adults. You know, like we don't get a parade for that. Okay, listen, God could do the, be the same way. Like you gave, I told you to give. What do you mean? He's so stinking good and gracious to us that he says, if you just do what I asked you to do anyway, I am going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you that you can't contain. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic or be a jerk, but like you may not want that and you may not need that, but I do. I, I do. And, and, and 
you know, I don't know if it works that if you turn it down, I get yours, but that, I'm all right with that too, you know, like if that's the way that it works. So God doesn't need my money. God doesn't need my money. Second mindset shift. A third, third mindset shift, and this may be the most important one for Andrea and I, and I think it may be the most important for, for us, is that more money won't make me more obedient. More money won't make me more obedient. It's so easy to think that you can't do it now, but one of these days you will. But when I get more money, I will. No, you won't. You won't. You know what you'll do? You'll do what we all do. You'll figure out how to spend what you have. Because that's what we do. The great preacher T.D. Jake says, if you won't tithe on your welfare, you won't tithe on when you're a millionaire. And it's so true. And we think that it's about the amounts. And God says it's not about the amounts. Jesus said that the widow who gave the, the penny gave more than anybody else. It's not about amounts. God says, I don't care how many dollars you get. I just want a dime for every dollar. So you can have a million of them. And you say, well, yeah, but if I had a million, I'd give God a million dimes. No, you wouldn't. Here's why you wouldn't do that. Because right now you have a hundred and you won't give him a hundred dimes. And it's about greed and it's about the heart. And so when you have a million, but then you think, oh, well, I'd only have 900,000. There's something in our minds that thinks, no, I would, I would, but you won't. Because money just magnifies who we are and what we are. If you can't write a $25 check now, you will not be okay with writing a $2,500 check later. One of my favorite stories is from a pastor named Craig Groeschel. I may have shared this before, but... um, Pastor's Life Church out in Oklahoma, and he said a businessman in his church uh, came up to him one Sunday after church when he was talking about tithing, and he came up to him and he said, "Uh, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I've just been struggling lately. My heart's been struggling lately about, you know, I've always been a tither, but lately, like, I'm making more money than I've ever made before, and I'm just having trouble, like, writing the check. It's just a large check. And will you pray for me? And Craig Groeschel said, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. And so he put his hands on his shoulder and he said, God, I pray that you would decrease his salary to whatever amount he's okay writing a check for. That's the way that it works. That's the way that it works. God says when you're faithful in the small, you'll be trusted with more. Do now what you want to do later and you'll get a chance to do it later. I shared with you guys last week that um, you know, my, I have these prayer goals for like the rest of my life. And one of those goals in there is like there, at some point in my life, I want to write a $25,000 check to missions, like at one time. Like I, that, that excites me to be able to give that away. But can I tell you how it probably won't happen? It probably won't happen that like I get like all this money and I get this easy write, check, you know, write this easy check. Probably what's going to happen is when we write it, it'll be the most sacrificial thing we've ever done, and it'll make us nervous and sick to our stomach, because that's the way God does it. I, um, after the first service, uh, one of the families came up to me afterwards, and they said, hey, we just want to tell you our story of how it happened for us. I could tell you hundreds of these stories, but she said, um, we started going to the church, you know, about three or four years ago, and we had just started trying to get out of debt, but we weren't doing a very good job. And you talked on tithing, and, and so we, we decided we were going we to try. And so we, that, that Sunday, we wrote our first tithe check. We figured up the income, 10%. We wrote that tithe check, and we, um, we put it in the offering. And so we get home, and, and she's talking to her husband, and he's like, look, I just don't think we can do it. There's just no way that feasibly we can, we can do this. 
And they went to sleep on it that night. She gets up and goes to work on Tuesday, and they call her in the office, and they say, hey, listen, we've decided that we're going to give you a $5 an hour raise. And she said, when we sat down and we figured out how much that was a month, it was exactly the 10% that we had started writing that check the day before. And, and when I heard that, I just started laughing. I was like, that's what God does. That's what God does. And you can hear that and you can go, oh, that's a coincidence. Or you can hear that and go, I want that. I want that. I want that. So more money won't make me more obedient. Listen, I don't want to minimize where you are, what you're facing, what you're feeling. If you've been around here long at all, you've heard the stories that I tell about Andrew and I and the ridiculously stupid financial decisions we made that we're still digging our way out of. Sally Mae is still hanging out at the house. Like we, it's going to be a while. We're working on it, but so many dumb things that we did. And so I'm not minimizing where you are. Some of you, like you're having to decide between heat and water right now. Like you're, you're having to decide, you know, how many groceries you can buy for $20. Like you, you're, I understand. And I'm not up here like some salesman or some guy who's trying to swindle people out of money. I'm up here as your pastor who loves you and cares about you and says, your way's not working. I love you. And you can keep doing it. Listen, nobody knows how to be stubborn better than me. I could teach the master class. But your way's not working. And you can keep doing it your way. But God's way works, and my way hurts. And so where you are right now, it's terrifying to think about figuring out, listen, it's a welfare check, it's an unemployment check, it's a disability check, it's a paycheck, it's child support, whatever it is. And you're sitting there and you're going, there's no 10%. Like, I don't have, there's no, listen, it's never going to be left over. You're never going to spend how you want to spend, and it's just going to be left over. you got to move it to the front of the line, and you got to say, God, every dollar I get, you're going to get the first dime. Amen. And I'm so sure, not because I'm smart, but because God's word is 100% true, I am so sure that you will never look back and that God will pour out a blessing on your life that you can't believe. But it's terrifying. The first time... And then at different stages in your life where you think like, man, really? It's terrifying. The scene that comes to mind, I'm not going to show it to you, but the scene that comes to mind is in Indiana Jones where he's trying to get across the, the canyon to get the, the Holy Grail. I think it's Holy Grail. I don't know. Yeah, Holy Grail. And, um, and, and he, in order to, to get across, there's a bridge that you can't see. And the only way to see it is when you take that first leap of faith. And he steps out. And that's, that's what it is. That, that, that's what it is. It's a step of faith that terrifies you and takes your breath away. And it doesn't add up. And you're trying to get out of debt. And you're trying to save for retirement. And you're trying to eat a hamburger at a restaurant you like. And, and you're trying to do all those things. And you say, if I do this, then it'll never work. And God says, no, if you do this, then I will pour out a blessing on you that you cannot understand. I want to end today by reading a letter to you from a lady that sent this to me this week. 
This is what she said. She said, I would have always considered myself a tither, and while I know tithing by definition means giving a tenth, um, oh, whoops, hold on. I got them in the wrong order. <laughs> okay. While uh, tithing by definition means giving a tenth, that's not always what has happened. Because my husband and I own our own business and never know what we're going to bring in each month, giving of our first fruits never seemed like an option. What I always did was I would look at the previous year, and based on what we made the previous year, I would decide what we would give that current year. And I know that God wasn't unaccepting of my gift, uh, but I knew that I wasn't giving the way he had called me to. Just recently, um, my husband and I began living on a budget. We're going to talk about that next week. Began living on a budget, and we decided instead of drawing money from the business when we needed it to pay our bills at the end of the month, we were going to take a predetermined amount of money at the beginning of the month and stick to it. We were no longer going to overspend what we had allowed our um, what we had allowed ourselves, and this solved our tithing problem. We were able to see the exact amount that we should tithe at the beginning of each month, and we made it a priority to give first to God at the beginning of the month, ten percent instead of what was left at the end. In the process of evaluating our finances, we saw that we had been undergiving or tithing by $200 a month and decided immediately to increase that amount. Ironically, we had made the decision to budget at the same time that we brought on a partner into the business. So in addition to our regular expenses, we are now paying him a full-time salary as well. Needless to say, our finances have been pretty ugly the last few months. The amazing thing is we have saved a lot of money personally just by staying on this new budget, and we've needed less money from the business. The two times a month where we run payroll, I'm holding my breath leading up to those days, praying that we have the money to cover payroll every 15 days. And each time, the day before, so it seems, we have had the right amount in the blank bank. However, two times in the last month, God has come through in an amazing way. At the end of October, when I knew we weren't going to have enough to money to run payroll, mysteriously, a $5,000 credit appeared in our business banking account. We pay our taxes in April uh, when they're due, but we had filed an extension until October, and somehow uh, we were not expecting it, but we received a very large tax credit at the end of October. It enabled us to not have to make another draw from the business and uh, for November and December and make payroll. That left more cash flow in our business um, for, for the new partner, to be able to afford the new partner. If that isn't proof enough of God's provision for our lives, something else happened. Just last Friday night, my husband and I attended a charity dinner to benefit a pregnancy resource center in town. We obviously had no extra money to give, but felt the Holy Spirit leading us to pay for the cost estimates to save one unborn baby's life, which was $1,200. That was on Friday night. On Saturday afternoon, when I opened up the online banking website to ensure that the money was there to process payroll on the 15th, I could see our personal checking account had more money than it should have. Sure enough, $1,163 had been credited into our account as a state refund. So close to $1,200, it's crazy. If we had gone to the benefit on Saturday night, my husband and I would have had no problem giving $1,200. It would have been easy and comfortable. But because the benefit was Friday night and we gave the $1,200 before we had it, God provided it just hours later. Nothing like this has ever happened to me. God is teaching my family that we cannot outgive him. Amen.
It's incredible. Incredible. So look, if you and I were sitting across the table, coffee, Jason, you got to help. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yes, we would get out a pen and paper. Yes, we would do a budget. Yes, we would get all the principles. Yes, we would do all that. I love it. I'm a geek. I like spreadsheets. But I would start with tithing. Proverbs says that a man withholds and grows poorer. He gives generously and grows richer. Makes no sense. It doesn't work that way, but it does with God. It does with God. So when you came in today on your seat, there was a, a card that says 90-day tithing challenge. You know, Malachi 3.10, it says, we read it, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and I will pour out so much blessing you can't, under, uh, you can't contain it. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Put me to the test. Test me. It's almost as if God knew we would be terrified. It's almost as if God knew that we wouldn't want to and couldn't figure out how we could. And God says, listen, I just want you to test me. Put me to the test. And so we believe that the Bible's true around here. We believe it's true. We believe that what God says is true. And so we always are trying to figure out ways to help you begin to obey God more. We're always trying to figure out ways to help you to trust and obey God more. And so this is something we've done the last couple of years and we want to do it again We want to give you a money-back guarantee of God's faithfulness. Here's what I mean by that. If you want today, we want to encourage you to take this 90-day tithe challenge. If you're somebody who does not tithe or hasn't tithed regularly, we want to encourage you to take this tithe challenge and, and fill out this card. And for the next 90 days, everything that comes into you, no matter how it comes in, every dollar you give God a dime. And at the end of those 90 days, if you say to us, it didn't work, hasn't blessed me. Like, it's just based on your opinion. Like, we're not verifying any facts. It didn't work, Jason. Didn't work. It's not true. God didn't bless me. If you feel that way in 90 days, we are going to give you back every dime that you gave us. Every dime you gave the church. No gimmicks, no ploys. We just know it's true. We know it works. And we want to help. We're going to underwrite your, your faith. And we want to help you take that step for 90 days. And here's what I believe will happen. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. You're gonna trust God. You're terrified right now. Your palms are sweaty. You're thinking I'm crazy. You're gonna trust God. You're gonna step out in faith and do this. And in 90 days, you're gonna laugh and you're gonna tell me stories about how good God is, how faithful he is and how blessed your life has become. Because now instead of having money without God's blessing, you have money with God's blessing. So I want you to take this card that you came in today. It was in your chair I want you to pray about it. I want you to think about it and have courage. Listen, you may not even be a Christian. That's nuts that like you could even put God to the test and not be a Christian. God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. Fill out this card. We'll talk about it at the very end of service, but I want us to pray. Let's pray.